Hello and welcome back to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where we talk about film and TV from our nostalgic younger days, and also recast either those films, those TV shows, or cast whatever the fuck we want, like today. <laughs> today we have a very special episode, so let's get started. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Joseph. And I'm Jonathan. That's right. We have not one, but two special guests today. John and Joseph are the creators of the Dynamic Duel podcast. Uh, how about you guys tell us a little about yourself our podcast is it's basically us arguing yeah over who is better between marvel and dc yeah yeah the whole podcast is just it's basically <laughs> sibling rivalry where john is the dc fan and i am the marvel fan and we basically call each other stupid for two hours every other week yeah we're, we're twin brothers and somehow we kind of developed an affinity for opposing comic book universes so yeah it's just it's just us bickering that, that's all it really is how did that happen? Like, how did you guys grow into separate paths? Because my brother, John, and I are definitely Marvel guys. Like, we grew up hardcore into Marvel. I actually think it's it's easier. Like, when you have, you know, siblings who, who are, you know, have a few years difference in age. You know, the younger sibling always, you know, likes whatever the older sibling likes. But when you're twins and you're looking, you're growing together and you're trying to find differences between each other. I started off as a Marvel fan because mm-hmm. that, that's really what we were exposed to growing up. But once I got more involved and learn more about DC. I liked the stories more. You know, Marvel doesn't really have anything like The Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen or anything like that, you know. I think with DC's characters, they're they're less relatable than Marvel's, but they're more aspirational. And because of that, since like they're archetypes, you could tell better stories. And I just like that. I just like stories. Basically, he went to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can agree that Marvel characters are vastly superior, but yeah. it's, I've read quite a bit of Batman graphics and those are some of the best stories that I've ever read in all of comics. Yeah, I like them. They're okay if you like that sort of thing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Marvel and DC, today our very special episode is exactly that. It's a Marvel versus DC and the two shows that we're going to talk about are two of the best animated comic TV shows, particularly from all of our years growing up and really I think for me at least put a big impact on me reading comics down the line because these shows were so good and so impactful watching them as a kid. Oh yeah, I would agree. Yep, and those shows being Batman the Animated Series and the X-Men Animated Series, both from the 90s. Not only are those two cartoons the best superhero shows of the 90s, I think they still hold up as the best superhero shows of all time. Ooh, maybe. They've definitely been able to at least stay with a strong presence in comic culture and nerd society. Besides that, we are also going to do a Marvel and DC casting. We're going to do, after discussing the Batman animated series, we're going to cast Birds of Prey, mainly because it's kind of like an offshoot of the Batman series from the comic. And we didn't want to recast Batman because that's kind of like right in the thick of things right now with Justice League and with everything right now. So we didn't want to do that. And we are going to also do a recasting of X-Men, but we're kind of have a twist to it. We're going to review the X-Men show and then we're going to recast X-Men as if it was a live action movie put into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is really cool because right now it's obviously still owned by Fox and so it is not connected at all with the MCU. So all of our castings is has to tie into the MCU universe, which is really cool, I think. I daydream about the X-Men joining the MCU all the time. If we could get them into the Infinity War, Infinity War 2, oh, God. Or something like that, that would be so <laughs> awesome. That would be awesome. But I actually, I, I mean, I do like what Fox is doing right now. I'd rather see the Fantastic Four and the MCU. I think they belong there. Fantastic! 
Fantastic Four sucks. Like, <laughs> they're a terrible franchise. They're boring as fuck. No, Silver Surfer, saying. cool. Fantastic Four, suck. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They belong with I'm, Marvel. I'm talking about even from comics. Oh, from comics? Yeah, the Fantastic Four are boring. How dare you, sir? They've always been boring. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> that's my two cents. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to your opinion, of course, but it's wrong. <laughs> what is cool about Fantastic Four? Doctor Doom is cool. Silver Surfer's cool. But, like, everything about... The Fantastic Four is so lame. I think it's the dynamic. No, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and that's why they keep failing, because they're lame characters that general society doesn't give a fuck about. Well, I think they succeeded with the Incredibles movie. I think the dynamic that the Fantastic Four is supposed to have was captured perfectly in that movie. So it's kind of been ruined, kind of. But uh, yeah. we'll see what happens in the future. If Disney does the right thing and lets Pixar get a hold of some of the Marvel characters, that really would bounce back a lot of stuff that they should do. I mean, everybody thought, my, my wife thought Captain America and Thor were super lame until they got their movies and they really stood out. I think it just takes the right person behind the camera and the right cast and the right story to really make you realize how cool they actually are. So, how dare you? <laughs> That's fine. But you made you made a very valid point. I can't I can't fight that. <laughs> Alright, so let's go ahead and get things started with Batman the Animated Series. Alright. Batman the Animated Series. This show started in 1992. It lasted until 1995, had a total of 85 episodes. This show is widely regarded as one of the best animated comic book shows of all time, but not even that, one of the best cartoons of all time. Yeah. It's won four Emmys. It's consistently rated high among some of the greatest cartoons of all time. I think IGN ranked it as the second greatest cartoon only behind The Simpsons of all time. Uh, Wizard, also, which is a comic book magazine though, but ranked it also number two just behind The Simpsons. And TV Guide ranked it as the seventh greatest cartoon of all time, which is amazing. What did they say it was number one? I don't fucking remember. I didn't <laughs> check. <laughs> seven, seven seems kind of high. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what Wikipedia told me. No, it's, it's definitely <laughs> up there for me, just in, in terms of, like, what it inspired down the line. I think it, it basically inspired every other comic book cartoon after this, not only with, with, with style and, and, you know, it, and it spawned, like, the entire DC cinematic universe. You know, everything from the Superman show to, to the Justice League cartoons, which, which are great cartoons in their own right. You know, all kind of stemmed from this. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, Static Shock, uh, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League United, like all of those were all tied into the same universe. And that was a really cool thing that you weren't seeing early on. You did get some of that. There was a crossover episode, I believe, with X-Men and Spider-Man at some point. So you got that with some other stuff. Mm -hmm. But like this show really branched out other shows because of how strong and popular it was. Bruce Tim, who's the artist and, and all subsequent DC animated shows really followed his art style. I think his character designs were so easy to adapt to other superheroes and so kind of iconic and, and simplistic. I think they were heavily inspired by the 1940s, sort of this Art Deco style. Fleischer. Yeah, by the Max Fleischer cartoons from the 1940s, yeah. The Adventures of Superman. Uh, I see a lot of his influence in this show. Definitely. Art design was a huge factor in this show. It definitely got a strong bit of its design from the Tim Burton Batmans, which the first one came out in 89 and then the second one came out in 92, which was when this show first aired. So I think there was some of that design that that was easy to flow from the movies to the show because there was a lot of that noir, a lot of that art deco style that kind of was tied in together between the movies that you saw in these big blockbuster films, but also saw them in cartoon form. 
Yeah, I think it even spawned like its own art style. I think they call it Dark Deco. Nice. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. This show did a great job with its noir feel. like, And I think that's what really ultimately makes it stand the test of time. I ended up watching about maybe five episodes or so recently, and they pretty much hold up. The artistic style of them doesn't get old for me. I know that the animation was, it's really like, okay, it's not amazing, but just the the look of the characters and the look of the backgrounds and the landscapes that's what i loved a lot about the show oh yeah totally i mean i wouldn't say like the just the style of the animation is is anything groundbreaking you know it's not like you know some kind of visually breathtaking anime or anything like that it's it's really simple but it worked so well for the for the stories they wanted to tell nothing was lost by the simplistic animation one thing i have to go on about is the voice acting and particularly the voice acting of kevin conroy who is forever batman for me i think he is for our generation he is like the adam west i know a lot of our parents whenever they think of batman it's just adam west is always batman for me it is kevin conroy's voice no You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. I love just his inflection. I love just everything about the way he portrays Batman. Similarly, Mark Hamill is the best Joker, the hands down. He encapsulates everything I want in a Joker because his voice is so perfect for it. Didn't I say there's more than one way to get someone? Even as I speak, Catwoman is being trussed up at the Pussykins Pet Food Factory. First thing tomorrow, I'm sending a lovely case of cat food to Batman. <laughs> I'll say this is the best voice cast in any cartoon ever. And the way these actors embody their characters, it's very hard to deal with someone else voicing the character when you hear another actor play those roles. Like, when you hear another actor play the Joker, it's like, that that's not the Joker. Mark Hamill mm-hmm. is the Joker. It's weird. And same thing with Kevin Conroy. Anytime I hear someone else try and do his voice, it's like, oh, uh, uh, that's not Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's this poser? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Even when I read the comics still, like I still like I still hear it in Kevin Conroy's voice. I still hear it in Mark Hamill's voice. Mm-hmm. It, it was just spot on. I'm going to make some enemies with this. <laughs> oh, God. I knew you were going to say something, John. <laughs> well, fine. Fuck you. I won't say any shit. <laughs> I didn't get as into the animated series as you did. So for me, Michael Keaton was my first Batman. Mm. So, I mean, I did watch Adam West, but in my time, I've never been able to get over that hump. So I still see Michael Keaton as my Batman. I don't see Kevin Conroy as my Batman. Likewise, I don't think Mark Hamill was the best Joker, but I'm going to leave. What the fuck? Oh, I know. <laughs> Never mind. I know. I know who your choice is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that out. Who is your best choice? It's Caesar Romero. I know. You told me this before. <laughs> yeah, it's Caesar Romero. Oh wow. He is probably my fourth favorite Joker. Well, I mean, if we're talking live action Jokers, that that's a different story. No, he's my third. No, no, Romero's my third favorite. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd so, like to. I mean, see- it, it doesn't matter. You guys are all wrong. The list is Hamill, <laughs> then Ledger, then Romero then Nicholson, then Leto. That's Ooh. just, that's how it goes. Ooh. I don't care what you guys say. I don't know if Nicholson would be that far down the list for me. <laughs> of course he is. I liked Nicholson's Joker a lot. Yeah, it was really good. The only one I didn't like was Leto. Nicholson being my fourth favorite Joker was still an enjoyable Joker. I'd agree with that. I mean, it's a big drop. The top four are solid, and then the last one is, like, a joke. I never, like, latched on to Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne for some reason. Like, even when I was younger watching the the show, I just never saw my Batman as, you know, someone who was, like, just so small and, like, curly hair, and I, I don't know. 
what I always thought, and I kind of still stand by this, Michael Keaton was the better Batman of those times. And I think, honestly, I think Val Kilmer was the better Bruce Wayne. I think Val Kilmer had, was a pretty solid Bruce Wayne. I know he was blonde and that movie wasn't fantastic, but of those kind of 90s movies, that's how I felt. I think Keaton was a kick-ass Batman, but Val Kilmer was the better, cooler Bruce Wayne. I don't know if I, how much flack I'm going to get for this, but I actually think Ben Affleck so far has portrayed Bruce Wayne the best. <laughs> Uh, okay just, and i'm just getting laughed at now <laughs> actually okay so i i would actually agree with that i think going back to the comics better than uh bale bale was his own thing but he was still batman no i, I john's think, leaving I now think, <laughs> I think, he's like uh, I, I can't i can't listen I to just, this shit. i just can't no i think um <laughs> i think christian bale was fantastic as Batman. it was, it was really great you know learning the the origin of Batman and, and everything but in terms of just like someone who nailed the look of batman someone who nailed like the the deme- like the sort of demeanor of batman or i guess specifically bruce wayne i think it was affleck just the square jaw, the dark hair. It's its everything I wanted my Batman to sort of be. I know we've had heated debates and we are completely on different sides when it comes to the DCEU right now. Uh, I hate <laughs> everything about it. I think Man of Steel is a piece of trash. Oh, gosh. I think Batman vs Superman was so bad that it didn't warrant me going to want to watch the Ultimate Edition because it was so bad. And Suicide Squad just makes me want to punch a TV in the face if I ever see a frame of it again. <laughs> So, I agree. I, I agree. Mean, I, you know what I'm going to say? And this is this is my problem. I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, and I know it's good, and I've got to see that. I, I That's the only thing that can what help What the hell, dude? What the hell? I know, I know, I know. What the hell, yeah, dude? That is, that's pretty ridiculous. You can't bash the DC films without having seen them. All right, they have a 75% suckage rate, so that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, take that, Jonathan. I know, I know, a ton of people hate Man of Steel, but I think what they were trying to do, like the sci-fi angle, it's such a shitty movie. I, I still contend, like it has the best music, it has some of the best action, and has some of like the most like sort of like deep thinking kind of philosophical story than any other superhero movie to come out in recent time. Deep thinking. <laughs> Kevin Costner wanted him to drown kids in a fucking school bus. No, that's not deep thinking. It is. That's just it is, cruel. Though. If you wouldn't have said that, like, that's what makes it deep thinking. It's like, oh, holy shit, it makes you think about it. Like, if I was a parent, like, what, you know, and I was trying to keep my kids safe, how would I, res- would I re- respond Jonathan, in the same way? Just, just stop. I'm, I'm going to stop. I can't. I can't defend uh, it to people who how don't about, understand. How about we go back to Batman the Animated Series, who we can all agree is a fantastic show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I want to bring up, obviously, one of the most amazing things that, that came out of that show is the character Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. She has exploded. And how interesting it was being a character that came from an animated show to a previously long-running comic book series. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was unprecedented. Just how much Harley Quinn has embedded herself into pop culture now is incredible. And she all started from this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting her the way you know the writers came about creating her is essentially they were gonna have the Joker dress in drag, and then they were like, uh, no, actually he wouldn't do that. So we're gonna create a female Joker henchman. That's cool. Yeah, she's a great. I don't I don't want to say balance to the Joker, but she works so well with him, and I really love their relationship and how stupidly one sided it is. It's, it's tragic. Kind of. It, it's very. It, it is. It's tragic. There is a lot of depth to that relationship. 
One of my favorite episodes from the animated series was an episode called uh, Mad Love, where they went into the origin, essentially, of Harley Quinn. It was so well done. I showed it to my wife a few days ago. She really liked it. She really came to understand the character of Harley Quinn and just how, how tragic a figure she is. It was something that they completely got wrong in Suicide Squad, oh, the yeah. movie, because they had a romantic relationship in that movie. But in the animated series, their relationship is much more abusive and much more just insane. The Joker doesn't love her. He, the Joker doesn't love anybody but himself. I don't know. Did you watch that episode, Mad Love, for this? Uh, I did not. She ends up capturing Batman using one of the Joker's plans. And for that, he throws her out of a window. It, it's it's just, yeah. it's, it's psychotic. Mm-hmm. But eventually what happens in the comics is that Harley Quinn, she kind of breaks away from the Joker and becomes her own character. And so she has that redemptive arc. Yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to see like in the films. I think we will. I think, you know, they're talking about the next film with, with Harley Quinn and uh, Jared Leto's Joker will be a a film, you know, rumorly titled for right now, Mad Love. So I think, you know, if they do a close adaptation to that episode, and it was also a comic, it was one of the comics, I think it was a standalone. That's fantastic. I, I think I think you could still do that with the relationship they set up in, in Suicide Squad. So that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Now, to go a little bit off topic, what are you guys' thoughts on Leonardo DiCaprio possibly taking the Joker role? That's for a uh, for like an Elseworlds kind of standalone thing. Jared Leto is still the uh, the DC Films universe uh, mm-hmm. Joker, yeah. but I'm not thrilled with the Joker origin story at all. Yeah, I don't want it. I don't need it. I like the mystery behind it. I, I just I want it to always be a part of like this just ridiculous, crazy thing that it's such a, a part of his character is not really knowing his history and his yeah. origins that I don't I don't want that personally. Yeah, Decaps is a great actor. <laughs> but I don't see him as the Joker, you know? Uh-huh. I, I yeah. just don't see it, personally. Yeah, we, but we all said that about Ledger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who, who said that about Heath Ledger? That's true. No, yeah, I, I, I did. I was very vocal against him when I first heard about it, and then, obviously, I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. Spees, come on. I don't know. <laughs> your opinions. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Why I'm are you upset that me? you don't like Man of Steel. I'm still upset that you don't like Man of Steel. Uh, is, okay, it, anyway. is it bad that I've still never seen Man of Steel? No, John, it's good. Just don't. Just keep not watching it. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't listen to what anyone else says about it. You watch it. You form your own opinions. Yeah. You know, the most interesting thing about this spinoff is that, you know, Martin Scorsese is doing it. And I think just, you know, based off of his sort of like gangster kind of noir kind of style, I think if it's an adaptation of The Killing Joke, which I think it will be because like there is really no other like welcomed kind of origin story for the Joker, then I'm a little more inclined to to like what they might do with it. Are you guys familiar with The Killing Joke? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've read it. I've, I've read it and I've seen it. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce Tim, he, he did uh, a film just recently of The Killing Joke. I haven't seen it. and I, heard I didn't it. care for it, personally. Oh, did you see the cartoon? Yeah, I saw the cartoon. Yeah. I didn't care for it. Oh. I thought it was incredibly slow moving. It was just really boring. I was also really, really drunk when I watched it, so <laughs> maybe that didn't help. Well, yeah, I heard they expanded the story because, you know, The, the Killing Joke, how many issues was it? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to go check. But, uh, I mean, it, it, yeah, you definitely would have had to add story to make it a full feature length film. Yeah, and that's yeah. I thought they did that, but it just made it so slow when I was watching it. All right, we've 
yeah, it's so easy to go on tangents with you about comics. <laughs> let's, let's reel it back in to, to Batman. Talking about Harley Quinn, she's one example, but I think another example, I'm not sure if you're about to go into this, was was uh, Mr. Freeze. The way that they did Mr. Freeze was awesome. They really turned him into a tragic character. Oh, yeah. And he, he the depth that was added from his episode, which I did watch his episode, that one from season one. I can't remember the name of the Yeah, it was like the, it was like the third episode they did. Uh, I forget the name of it. Heart of Ice. Heart of yes, Ice. Heart of Ice. Go. Really yeah. strong episode. Especially when you compare it to, to the comics character. You know, he was basically just a, a dumb guy with a freeze ray who accidentally... You know, he has to live in this this uh, protective suit because he can't live in the warmth. But the cartoon is what introduced his his wife. And that, that became, that's become such a big, important part of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the whole reason we got Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie <laughs> as that character was because of the animated show. <laughs> yes! I mean, thank you. Unfortunately. He was a, C-le- <laughs> a C-list villain in the comics. And it was the animated show that really brought him to the forefront. What's interesting, though, is that you mentioned that he's tragic. But later on in the comics, it turns out he actually ends up waking his wife up from cryostasis and it turns out she didn't even know him that wasn't really his wife <laughs> whoa that's fucked up what i didn't know yeah that. he was like some stalker guy oh geez yeah that's that's weird I, I that's they shouldn't have done that yeah it becomes less tragic and more just freaking creepy creepy yeah Definitely. So yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about obviously with the voice acting. One thing I want to throw out is some other great names that added to the the voice acting cast here. Ron Perlman did Clayface. We love great voice from Ron Perlman. Ed Asner did a character. Ed Bagley Jr. Frank Welker did uh, a couple different voices, some animal voices. We pretty much mentioned Frank Welker every episode because he's <laughs> in everything from yeah. our childhood. Yeah. I was looking yeah. up like who are the the highest grossing like actors of all time, like just from all their films combined. And Stan Lee is up. There there i think he's like number one or two or something okay um, frank welker is in like the top five as well because frank welker is the voice of megatron so he's been in like all the transformers movies he also is just in like every disney movie as a voice of some animal or something like it's pretty insane like all the credits that that he has so i just kind of wanted to throw that out there like oh another episode where frank welker does a voice my favorite cameo i think was uh adam west in the Grey Ghost oh, yeah. episode. Uh, that's another one that I watched as well. Yeah, strong episode. I saw that one too. I love that episode. It was a really good, like, passing of the torch, obviously. Another thing that worked really well in the show was the music. Oh, yeah. Danny Elfman did the score for the for the title song. Uh, it was kind of like a, a play off of the score that he did for the movies, the Tim Burton movies. And then another composer kind of took it from there. And it just the music worked really, really well, in my opinion. I forget the name of the the one who took over for Danny Elfman, but she she's like his collaborator. I think they both worked on the Batman films together. Exactly. She was, I believe, she was the conductor of the orchestra that did Danny Elfman's music. So like they oh. did work together on Tim Burton's. And I love that Batman thing. Yes. Like I still think like I'm not sure whether I like Hans Zimmer's or John Williams Superman score best yet. But I still definitely prefer out of all the Batman themes, Danny Elfman's. He he's mentioned that uh, he's gonna do the the John Williams Superman theme the new Justice League movie. I really, really hope he also does his Batman theme. Just sneaks it in there. (laughs) 
thinking of Danny Elfman makes me think of Tim Burton, which makes me think of Tim Burton's Superman, which makes me think of Nicolas Cage as Superman. <laughs> that would have been fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that costume was just atrocious. Yes, it was. <laughs> I really, I think I would have liked to have seen it just out of like pure macabre interest, <laughs> I guess. It's just like, it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. Exactly. Yeah. Watching it out of irony would just be fantastic. One thing that I think the show did really well is utilize the knowledge base of its audience knowing about Batman and knowing like the comics to an extent. Like it dived right into the world of Batman. You didn't have to build everything up with an origin story. Oh, absolutely. And all this kind of stuff. Like you you got some of that. It kind of did some flashbacks or you've got some of that stories later on, but you dove right into Batman is a thing. In the second episode, Robin shows up. You don't have to yeah. have all of Dick Grayson's origin, which they do show, they, they say that later, but it was more of like in a flashback and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't have to set everything up step by step. You could just go into the world and just dive right in and just enjoy it you didn't have to like it, everything wasn't you know having to be a cumulative story which was really nice like you even take a look at the opening titles for or the original opening titles for the series it never said the word batman in the opening titles mm-hmm. you know it kind of had this you know like this cool scene where batman takes out some bank robbers and then you know like it shows him standing on top of a building and that just iconic like, kind of like against the red sky and there's that lightning flash but it never says like the batman animated series or anything like that it just mm-hmm. viewers are familiar enough with this iconic a character enough that it, it didn't need that exactly that's something i think um zach snyder could probably learn from <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to throw a little bit more what, um, what? <laughs> <clears throat> one thing I, I gotta mention though is this this show wasn't without faults yeah it's fantastic but there were some cheesy moments and i really want to say that i watched i think the first couple episodes that the joker was introduced and the joker really wasn't fleshed out it took a while i'd say probably like bef- like three or four episodes in that the jo- that the joker was in before he really kind of became the sadistic joker that we now lo- know and love but that first episode which was called christmas with the joker was actually a really fucking bad episode i don't know if you guys <laughs> watched that one but like the joker was just bad and actually the voice even you could tell mark hamill's voice wasn't quite at the joker that we know yet it wasn't acting properly it was just wasn't crazy enough so there was there were some cheesiness factors like all batman episode or all batman iterations the bat computer was just so goddamn smart and he could just say tell it to do anything and it could like pretty much fix cure you could cure cancer if he asked it to but he never did (laughs) like all those things it wasn't particularly realistic but the show surpassed all of that stuff obviously and it was just a really fun interesting dark which made that really cool and made it I think rewatchable as an adult, it had the artistic feel of it made it something that I could totally see myself just coming back and and watching. And I'll probably go back and watch it because right now it's on, I think, Amazon Prime. And so that's how I watched it. And just I'll just go through and probably watch all the episodes. Well, shit, I didn't know it was on Amazon Prime. I just spent the fortune spending individual (laughs) episodes on iTunes. I watched it on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) The, the bat computer I, honestly when I when I think of the bat computer I, I still when I think of the bat cave in general I still think of the bat cave from the animated series I don't think any film has been able to capture that same kind of feel the one of the problems that I have have with the show I think it holds up really well let me say that it probably holds up better for me now as an adult than it did as a kid because I think one of the faults of the show is that Paul Dini he wrote some very mature sometimes boring storylines into his episodes and there were a few episodes where they weren't focused on Bruce Wayne or any of the bad guys they were just focused on like two people having a relationship or something like i i had a hard time with the uh the harvey dent episode where episodes where he turns into two-face it was a two-parter you could have done away with one of those yeah 
Fine. I feel because it was just there's a lot of stuff that didn't hold my interest as a kid and actually didn't hold a lot of my interest either as an adult but I do have a short attention span so <laughs> you know I I won't disagree with you I, I remember thinking there was an episode where like Bruce Wayne is investigating like some kind of like some kidnappings and it turns out that they're going to like the slave labor camp and uh, he like gets amnesia when I was younger I thought that episode was like the most boring episode ever but watching it as an adult I think it's pretty darn good it does it does a great job of adding a lot of emotion and intensity and dark feel where it's a show that I think does a great job of rewatchability. And obviously it's got kind of everything that I would want and it's why it became so popular. So I've, I've got mad thumbs up for this show. Obviously it sounds like you guys and, and was a big part of your childhood and kind of helping grow your love of comics and probably of Batman in general. I think when you rewatch this show, it holds up far better than other shows of this decade or of this time frame, mm-hmm. like the, the late 80s, early 90s. You go back and you watch some of those cartoons and it's like, what the hell was I thinking as a kid? Was, <laughs> was I a stupid kid? This is horrible. <laughs> But you watch this one and you don't you don't feel so stupid. Yeah. Two big thumbs up for me. I think even as a Marvel fan, you have to give respect to this show as the best superhero animated show of its time. Yeah, I think it mm-hmm. set up sort of the the approach that they took with the ba- uh, with, or sorry with the Spider-Man animated series and maybe to like a lesser extent what they did with like X-Men Evolution. The simple style they're definitely going for a tone and, and j- just the atmosphere. I don't think any any of the other shows though have, have been able to capture it the, what what Batman did. And and I'm talking about the early Batman episodes because I know later on like they redid I think it was like season season 3 or season 4 maybe been earlier where they kind of shifted the animation just the the look of the characters like the joker's eyes were black and you know it's just it seemed like maybe even more simple the last i think like 15 episodes like the last season they actually also even changed the name to the new adventures of batman and robin yeah uh, and they changed it from batman the animated series and it did have slightly different animations and you got like tim drake as well as nightwing in there so yeah they did try some things later and uh, yeah i agree with like those first like three seasons were clutch and they were just a huge part when you had tim drake like that was when the show moved to warner brothers it originated on a fox on fox mm, yes it was fox kids yeah even at Fox, it had like two different versions. Like there was the Batman animated series, and there was the Adventures of Batman and Robin. And I guess I, I guess Fox wanted the show to be more kid friendly, so they had this uh, requirement that every single episode had to feature Robin. Oh. And I think for the reasons that you were mentioning earlier, because you know maybe they felt some episodes were just too boring for kids. They thought kids might be able to relate to a kid character like Robin. But I even even when it you know it did make the switch to Warner Brothers and everything, it, it was still a fantastic show. It's. Uh... I think it, it rightfully so stands the test of time. I think the way it faded out too, it was done better than let's say X-Men, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, Cause this show, it kind of like went into justice league unlimited. I think it went to the Batman and Superman adventures, which went into justice league, which I guess it's not going on anymore, but had a good run. So now we are going to do a casting of Birds of Prey, who is a kind of an offshoot group of the Batman comics. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, you mind letting us know a little bit more about them? The Birds of Prey, I think they started in the 90s. It was after Barbara Gordon was paralyzed by the Joker in The Killing Joke. Black Canary, you know, she'd always been like a Justice League member, but they had her team up with Oracle. She was, you know, sort of the the field operative and, and Oracle was kind of the... Uh, the man in the chair. Yeah, man in the chair. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, literally. 
Yeah, yeah, the wheelchair. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean it like that. I, I, meant, like, I, took, it, I took it that far. I took it that far. Sorry. Yeah, so I don't think they ever officially called themselves the Birds of Prey. I don't think it was until much, much later that they actually gave themselves that team name. But they've often worked with, with a, a character called Huntress, who, who is also in the Bat family. Th- this team is essentially a Bat family book. It's, it's sort of like the women of the Bat family get together and they you know go off and do their own missions and, and things like that. If you could name three primary members of the Birds of Prey who have sort of like for the most part been there a majority of the time. It's Oracle, Black Canary, and Huntress. Yeah, they're a very awesome, interesting, strong female-led group. We're going to cast a couple more than just the three, so we will cast Black Canary, Oracle, and Huntress. We're also going to do Cassandra Kane, who is kind of the newest Batgirl in that universe, I believe. Uh, not the newest, but she she was she's one of the more popular ones. Okay, she has been a Batgirl, and we're also going to do Hawk Girl, Lady Shiva, and then we did a Lady Blackhawk, who's kind of like a pilot for the team. I don't know if you guys ended up doing a Lady Blackhawk or not. Yeah, super generic. She wasn't on the team for very long. She, I know, she was on there during the New Fifty Two relaunch in the comics, and she was there during Gail Simone's run. But she kind of fits with the whole bird theme. <laughs> so yeah, so that's why we got her. Why not? The Blackhawks were a team of fighter pilots during World War II in the comics. Uh. Um, so I, I don't know, somehow she traveled to the present day from World War II, and that that's kind of her backstory. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, she's a pilot. All right. Well, since she's lame, let's just get her out of the way. Uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead and let's start. Let's start yeah. with Lady Blackhawk, who... Looking into it is probably the most generic, least interesting character of these to go with. Yeah. We picked someone. So, oh yeah, to go over the casting, how we did it, we did teams of brothers versus brothers. So as opposed to four casting with all of us together, me and my brother John debated and got our cast ready. And we are now debating our cast merits versus John and Joseph's their cast. See if with their, all of their might. Can I say how difficult it was to agree upon a cast? <laughs> like I was ready to get into a yeah. fist fight with this fool. <laughs> over here um over the casting on this uh, i'm not entirely 100 happy with it it's it's very much a compromise but uh i'm very curious to see what, what you guys chose yeah i'm gonna be very interested if we have completely different people or if we like run into the same folks in the same style at all or what our process jonathan and, and, and my our process was basically arguing and then somebody saying fuck it <laughs> just go with your idea i don't care anymore <laughs> yeah. yeah i think maybe maybe john and i agreed a little bit more than that and had a oh, okay. good general debate <laughs> but yeah not that bad that's good you guys are good brothers <laughs> so lady blackhawk she is just a generic white girl uh who is good at piloting and probably has some fighting skills uh no she's a good marksman she's a good marksman okay so yeah she's good with guns well I kind of went with someone who I have seen be a good fighter because I really don't know anything about Lady Blackhawk. So I assumed maybe I could make her look cool at least. So I went with Gina Carano, who is best known as Angel Dust, the female villain from the recent Deadpool movie. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just generic, generic, basic, basic white girl. Yeah. That's yeah. Kind of- I, I'm sure, when I think of Gina Carano, I think of like the Hulk of women. Because she's <laughs> she's she's buff. Actually, you know, but she was really good in Haywire, that that movie with with uh, Channing Tatum. She was a spy. We almost went Ronda Rousey for this part, just because we wanted someone to who could look tough. But we figured Gina Carano. She also is looks tough, but she is a better actress. So that's why we went with her. Yeah, I can see that. We went completely different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Jonathan, go ahead. <laughs> we chose Natalie Dormer. Oh, um, you may know you may know her from uh, Game of Thrones. 
You may know her from The Tudors. The reason we went with Natalie Dormer was I felt like she sort of has like a classic look. When you're dealing with a character who, you know, comes from the 1940s, sort of this time displaced character, sort of like Captain America, uh, we, we figured she needs to look good both in, you know, the 1940s and modern day. And I think Natalie Dormer does that. She actually had a small part in the Captain America movie, The First Avenger. She was in that film as this flirty uh, SSR officer and she she looks great in the 1940s she was was the one that Haley Atwell (laughs) catches him kissing yes exactly yep okay uh well let's move on to wait wait how do we we determine who wins oh (laughs) (laughs) we just we just fuck it you win I don't care actually actually I'm gonna disagree I'm gonna disagree and I'll tell you why later on your your choice Oh, because you because you cast her as somebody else. Maybe. <laughs> uh, let's go to Hot, Hot Girl, Girl. Yeah, let's do Hot who, Girl. Who who isn't who hasn't been on the team? You know, for every iteration. No. Uh, she kind of is someone. If you guys, if you know the Hawkman and that kind of that race of people, they're very strong. They have like the nth metal. They're just warriors. They're badass warriors. Yeah, her origin is way too complicated to go into. <laughs> it's incredibly complicated. I did have to look into it. One thing that I saw, she's kind of the reincarnation the, from the first iteration of Hawkgirl. She was the reincarnation of an Egyptian god. Is that something uh, Egyptian, like that? Egyptian, Egyptian, I think it was an Egyptian priestess. Well, I used that history for my choice. And so we wanted someone who could kind of, we wanted to, our choice, (laughs) our choice. We wanted someone who could kind of tie in that Egyptian side of it. We didn't want to just, you know, this, these girls are all basic, just, they're just whiteies. Like they're all whiteies. (laughs) And so we kind of wanted, we wanted to mix it up a little bit. Put a little flavor in there. So. A little flavor, and so we added a little Algerian who could pa- who could pass for Egyptian. We went with Sophia Butella, who was the recent mummy, and she was in The Kingsman as the badass chick with no legs. Yeah, she is a fantastic actress who has done some really cool action already, and so that's why I kind of think she could play the tough hot girl pretty well. We actually went the same route. Sophia Batella. Everybody wins. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy <Yay>. shit. <laughs> you're a winner and you're a winner. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. For the exact same reasons. Yeah, exact same reasons. I also think if not Sophia Batella, if I could choose someone else, maybe Priyanka, oh, I'm going to misspell, Chopra, I mispronounce her name. Bianca, Priyanka Chopra? Chopra? Mm-hmm. She was in, she's the villain of the Baywatch movie that just came out. Oh, okay. But she's, I believe she's, I want to say she's Indian. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, I she think she is. Pakistani or something. But I think she's Indian. I, I think it's, I think it's better to cast Sophia since she has that, those Algerian roots that are, mm-hmm. you know, are adjacent to Egypt and stuff. Yeah, so. it, you know, she, she, she's a dancer. I think she was a dancer before she was an actress. So she has the, you know, so much physicality to her in all of the roles she's played, it seems like from, from, you know, the King's been to she was in the star trek Be- star trek beyond film yes yes um yeah with the girl who was all, all in the all white paint yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. The, that race whatever that was the alien yeah i think she would do, be a fantastic hawk girl good uh good call guys you guys have good <laughs> tastes yes uh let's dive into cassandra kane she's a character i don't know too much about other than from what i've heard from y'all's podcast when i oh, then you know everything you know everything then then i know i then i do know everything i mean she is apparently one of the most skilled and talented martial artists in all of uh dc yeah you can make the argument that she is the best yeah that it's that's pretty damn impressive but she was trained by i want to almost call it the legion of doom what is it the 
Legion of... The League of Assassins. League of Assassins, yes. She was trained by the League of Assassins and then became good. And her mother, if I remember, is Lady Shiva, yep. who we're also going to be casting. So we'll do those back to back. Let's start off with the daughter, Cassandra Kane. We poached from Marvel again, and we went with Palm Clementif, who played Mantis in the recent Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. She's yeah. not someone who has all of the action chops, probably, or the martial arts skills, but I think she's got a good look. She and she kind of, she could do some of that stuff. Um, just kind of looking at some of her other credits. So that's who we went with. What about you guys? I, re- I actually really liked her as Mantis. I, I really liked that yeah. character in that film. Mm-hmm. We we went a little bit younger. In developing this casting, I sort of like had to uh, come up with a story for, for what the movie would be in my own in my own head and because of you know we also have lady shiva and we decided to go with uh her name is tian jing you're probably not familiar with the name but she was in uh kong skull island did you see that film i did not nope okay well this is completely lost on you guys then uh she was she was an asian young asian actress in that film and also she also had like a strong supporting role in the the film uh the great wall the one with matt damon that was really controversial that came out recently yeah it did not look so she's an up-and-comer um she seems talented. You'll just have to Google her, I guess. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She spells her name T I A N J I N G. Yeah. So if you want to look her up. Okay. So you yep. should. We'll you should, do. You should do it now, so we decide who wins. Okay. Uh, <laughs> man, you guys are really fucking into this battle. <laughs> Dude, we have a podcast. Where we're super competitive. Yeah, she looks like a skinny Asian girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She is definitely younger than our casting, but not by much, it doesn't look like. But yeah, I could go either way. I'd say Tianjing looks, she looks a little bit more the part. Yeah, we win again. (laughs) I guess it all depends on who you cast as Shiva. Yeah, yeah, that's a big... I know we won Shiva. We cast an actress (laughs) that we both really like. We're also big fans of the show, even though it's had its ups and downs. Uh, The show being Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., someone who is a badass fighter in that show, Ming-Na Wen, who plays Agent May. She is a great actress. I want to see her in more things. She obviously has the action chops. She could be a scary fucking villain who Lady Shiva is kind of uh, the villain of this series, I think would work really well. So Joseph tried to convince me of this um, when he when he yeah. explained who he wanted. I was like, who the fuck is that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> so we ended up not going with her, um, although wrong. I'm sure she's she's great. <laughs> um, we actually ended up going with not my first pick, but definitely, I think, a strong pick. Uh, Lucy Liu. Uh, she was on our list. She was, yeah, Lucy Liu was on our list, and I think she's okay, but Ming-Na wins better, so we won that <laughs> round. <laughs> My second pick was Maggie Q. That's who I wanted. Oh, okay. Uh, I she was great. Yeah, that's a good call. She would have been, she would have been better than Lucy Liu, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. See, uh, Jonathan, whatever. <laughs> told you. Whatever. My my second pick was uh, Michelle Yao. Yeah, yeah. We also we pretty much had it between Michelle Yao, uh, Lucy Liu, and Ming Na Wen. But once once I we came up with uh, Ming Na, we were like that. That's the one. Is Ming Na older? She's not as old as Michelle Yao, but she's yeah, she's fifty three right now. She looks great for fifty three. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on to the big three of the Birds of Prey. We have Black Canary, Oracle, and Huntress. And let's go ahead and start with Black Canary. You guys might have mentioned this actress earlier, (laughs) and that would be someone from Game of Thrones, who is pretty badass and manipulative at times in in her character in Game of Thrones. And I think she's got a great look to her, and she's a very strong actress. And so we went with Natalie Dormer for Black Canary. Good choice. I like that. I like. We, We were thinking of her as well. Yeah. But ultimately... And again, this was not my first choice. We went with uh, Sienna Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's she's very blonde, very leggy. 
<laughs> which is what you want in a in a Black Canary character. But you know, I I think her portrayal of the Baroness in GI Joe was was a pretty good, I think, uh, precursor of what she could do with Black Canary. One of the only okay things out of the GI Joe movie. I absolutely hated that thing. Uh, yeah, it I like Snake yeah, Eyes too. Yeah. I like Snake Eyes, but that was. Yeah, oh, yeah. It looks cool. But that's because it was Ray Park, and Ray Park is yeah, yeah, pretty good yes. in everything he does. So I uh, let's say it's a tie on that okay. one. Maybe a slight <laughs> edge to us for Net- Natalie Ooh. Dormer. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to ask you. I have to ask you, Charlize Theron, what would you have thought of that decision? I like her. I think she's a little bit older than I would want for yes. some of those actresses. Yeah. yeah. I think I want them all around like the same age, or most of them, besides Cassandra Kane, who could have been the youngest. Uh-huh. All the others, I think I would have wanted them right around the same age. And, and though a strong actress as she is, I think just would have changed the dynamic from what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it would have been too much of like, oh, I'm the boss, I'm the leader. You know, even though Canary is kind of like that, mm-hmm. still, I think the age gap wouldn't have been how I wanted it. I actually think Oracle is probably the the leader of the group. But if if you had to ask me who I mm, okay. who I think the protagonist of the, of a film would be, it would probably be Black Canary. Just because Black Canary mm-hmm. is able to to do more. Um, Run! Oh my god! <laughs> oh. What? What? Holy shit! I'm. Did Whoa. I say? I mean, not 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 that handy. You know, being handicapped. You know, um, shit. Just stop talking. Uh, Just stop yeah, talking. Yeah. It's Just an stop. action film. <laughs> Shit. Let's move Just on. Just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so speaking of Oracle, <laughs> you need someone who is a strong actress. You need someone who can do a lot. I think, you know, just, <laughs> just sitting down. <laughs> um, oh, geez. She, she's, well, I mean, Oracle is a badass character. Barbara yeah, Gordon yeah. as Batgirl was badass and she was really cool. And then, you know, she got paralyzed from the killing joke from the Joker and, and honestly was able to turn that into a character that a lot of handicapped people really could look up to. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that could become someone who is just as integral and just as important of the team as anyone else and i think oracle was a very progressive leap forward in comics yeah absolutely. making that what was nice about it was it wasn't where a lot of the times they make like someone who has a handicap then they get bionics and then then they can run and then they do stuff no this person yeah she was paralyzed but she was still a badass while she was paralyzed you could have easily done that in comics i mean with you know how fantastical yeah. comics could be i really i really yep. appreciate and admire the fact that dc didn't do that well, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they've sort of done that now. Barbara Gordon can walk again. Mm, okay. Um, they cured her paralysis. But I, I never liked that. I always I always really liked Barbara Gordon as Oracle, and I missed, I missed that character. So Oracle's, I think, I agree. It's a really cool character. You've got to get, pretty much there's two main things, in my opinion, or I guess maybe three. You have to have a strong actress who can do that kind of a performance. You have to have someone who looks good in glasses, which I don't know if we really cast that. But you also have to have a redhead. Barbara Gordon is a classic redhead. Yeah. And someone who could either who could pull off redhead. So we went with an actress who we liked, I mean, but mainly because of her red hair. Yeah, we went with Bryce Dallas Howard, who was in the most recent Jurassic World movie. And I think she's just a good enough actress that she could do a good job. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic choice. Um, I would be totally happy if Bryce Dallas Howard was, was Oracle. We had her on our list for sure. But ultimately, we ended up going with uh, Emma Stone. Yeah, I don't necessarily think she could have pulled off Batgirl. She may be a little bit too doe-eyed. She doesn't have the physical. She's too comical. Yeah, is, is Oracle that happy-go-lucky? And I think it's so hard to pull that away from it. Well, I mean, Emma Stone's a great actress. She's actually done some very dramatic roles too, so... 
She could probably, she could pull it off. But when I think of her, I just think of like too much comedy for, for my Oracle. We were definitely putting her in this role because of her dramatic chops. But I mean, if you need a comedic relief, you have it. She's there. Also, I thought she was a, a dead ringer for Bruce Timm's drawing, oh, yeah. his depiction of, of Barbara Gordon. I think they, they're pretty identical. You put some dark eyeliner on Emma Stone and it looks really close to Bruce Timm's Barbara Gordon, I think. Uh, good call. I'm not sure if there was a winner there, but good call. So let's say <laughs> even. And so let's, we're going to end things off with Huntress, who I think has the coolest look out of all of these. Maybe, maybe Cassandra Kane. I like, I like, um, Cassandra Kane's Batgirl. She looks really cool, but Huntress just has, well, it's not maybe a very logical suit because <laughs> it is, it is show, it shows some skin where it probably shouldn't need to, and you should be probably covered up with stuff. But I think the Huntress looks, just looks badass. She looks like a yeah. almost, you know, like, yeah, a, a different type of Batman. Is it, is, it, is she the, the daughter of Batman and Catwoman? In some versions. Uh, in some versions. Okay. Yeah. In some, but uh, in sort of like retconned continuity, you know, Batman doesn't have a daughter. Uh, he never married Catwoman, although they're engaged right now. Yeah, in, in some versions, she is the daughter of Batman. In other versions, she is just a mob boss's daughter. And that's okay. sort of the version I prefer, honestly. Um, she definitely Her costume is, is definitely cool. Uh, it was redesigned by Jim Lee during the Hush storyline back in early 2000s, I think. Yeah, she looks like she's part of the Bat family. It's very, uh, you know, she has like belts everywhere. Again, it shows her midriff, but then again, Black Canary wears fishnet yeah. stockings. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, she's badass enough to get away with that. I guess so is Huntress. So how about you guys start off with who you cast? Oh, wh- why? Why not? <laughs> All right. All because right. this is my podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for Huntress, we went with Amelia Clark from from Game of Thrones. Okay. She's she's a lot shorter than my Huntress would be. Yeah, she she's a little bit shorter, but we thought she pulled off a very good like or at least I should say I should say I thought cuz Joseph doesn't watch Game of Thrones cuz he TVs incorrectly. Um mm-hmm, yeah. But uh she has a force behind her. Like she plays angry kind of pretty well and, and and the Huntress is kind of an angry character. She's borderline she's almost like the Punisher. She wants to kill the enemies, but being a part of Batman's team and Batman's family, she kind of has to withhold that urge to do that. So it's definitely a dark character. It's definitely an angry character. And I thought Amelia Clark could could do that. Plus, you know, she's she doesn't look bad as a as a brunette either. No, she, yeah, I mean that's her natural color, and she's yeah, very very pretty as a brunette. So I'm not bad. My choice was Aubrey Plaza for the record. I I like that less actually. <laughs> oh, never mind then. Uh, strike strike that from the record. Strike it. We went with actually this casting was uh, the person who is our least known actress. She's a TV actress, and uh, she's best known as a character Octavia Blake from the show The One Hundred. I don't know if either of you guys have watched that. No. So she's got some action chops from that show. Her name is Marie Avgaropoulos. I think she has the perfect look for what I want from a huntress. I'll give you a second to IMDb. Um, oh, yeah. She's yeah, just, she's great. I just yeah. Googled her. That's not bad. You win. Yeah. You win that one. Hey! <laughs> what? <laughs> Over right. Amelia Clark? Don't say that. <laughs> yes. You don't know. No, yeah. She looks, know. she looks great. Yeah. What I like her much doing? better. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, just check her Check her out. Check her out. She looks She looks like Huntress, like from the pages, in my opinion. Yes. I, I just want to say, if it were up to me, if I had my dream cast, like if I had a Photoshop, a poster for this movie, I would have actually done Charlize Theron as Black Canary, Je- Jessica Chastain as Oracle, and uh, Kate Beckinsale as Huntress. Just putting that out there. Those are great choices as well. 
old. I'm just old. curious. Yeah, they're they're older than I would want for my Birds of Prey. Not to say that those women can't yeah. can't can't do that and be badass. And if it was an older version, perfect. But that's not what I not that's not what we what we cast. So right. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Did you guys ever see the Birds of Prey series? That came out oh, in yeah. 2002. Oh, yeah. I watched every episode. It did not last very long. Okay. I never saw it, so I was wondering how it was. Except in that one, Huntress had cat powers, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she actually, yeah, she actually was the, the daughter of, of Batman and Catwoman. Black Canary was, was like, she was the youngest of the group. She had weird powers other than the Sonic Scream. I forgot what she had. It was like, like uh, it was almost like Unbreakable, I think, when she touched someone, she like got premonitions. She, it was dumb. It was dumb. But the one good thing about that show was actually, um, and I'm totally going to blank on her name right now, the lady who played Barbara Gordon. Dina Meyer. Is, was that it? Dina Meyer, yeah. I, I loved her as oracle yeah i thought she was a fantastic oracle oh love dina meyer oh my god i thought she pulled off the glasses really well i thought she pulled off the 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 batgirl costume really well um i was really happy with that choice so yeah so that was birds of prey we actually had some good crossover and like we thought of the same people for a lot of stuff but it's obvious that john and i won so whatever dude Alright, so now we've played in the DC universe. Now we're gonna go to the good guys. To the Marvel universe. Uh, <laughs> yeah! Fuck. We're gonna talk about X-Men, not called X-Men the Animated Series, which for some reason I thought for the longest time just called X-Men. Ran from 1992 to 1997. Interestingly, though, there was a pilot made in 1989 called Pride of the X-Men. Pride as in, as in Kitty Pride. Right. Uh, it was spelled the same as Kitty Pride, so P-R-Y-D-E. And so one of the executives from that production team was a woman named Margaret Loesch. And after that pilot failed, she became the president of Fox Kids. So she was instrumental in getting the X-Men series made. So once she moved over from Marvel Productions to Fox Kids, she basically just bugged and bugged and bugged them until they agreed to do an X-Men series. And that's how we got the 1992 X-Men, the animated series. Yeah, Fox Kids was pretty awesome back in the day because it also had Batman, the animated series that came out, I think, in September of 92. And then the X-Men show came out in late October of 92. They just went all in on comic cartoons. Fox Kids was the shit back in the day. Uh, Didn't they have Power Rangers? Did Power Rangers start on Fox Kids? Yes. It just had my favorite shows. Every Saturday, I was like, yeah. And actually, was it like even during the weekday mornings, they started off with cartoons? Because I remember watching them like going before going to school. It was it was really cool. I missed that. I feel like they don't have that anymore. Now it's like friggin' like Nickelodeon. You have to have your own cable channel to have that same kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I, I think more than any other television show, it was this show, X-Men, that really brings back the memories. Like, it makes me think of breakfast cereal. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> it evokes those those breakfast cereal smells, you know. <laughs> it's just I I loved it as a kid. I, I'd wake up every Saturday morning, pretty much going. Yeah, it's got a great theme song. Yep, uh, which was composed by a guy named Ron Wasserman, who also composed the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme. Oh, shit. That dude's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) He's my new favorite musician. (laughs) 
this has nothing to do with anything, but I never liked Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, so you're too old. You're old. You're you're older than all of us. Yeah, I know. So maybe that's that's pressing. I'm the old it. man here. When I was saying that Batman ed- an- the animated series is a show you could go back and watch as an as an adult, Power Rangers is not a show you could go back and watch <laughs> as an adult. It is horrible. That's one of those shows where like I was a stupid kid for watching this show because it is horrible. <laughs> it is the worst. Yeah. Was I dumb? I think you're probably dead on. I've seen we've I've seen actually a couple recently too, and it is so bad yeah. but x-men was good so <laughs> yes but x-men was good so let's let's talk about that <laughs> one thing i want to add uh is i mean that theme song just how cool it is when i was re-watching these i kind of did like a compare and contrast between batman the animated series and this x-men show i don't know if you guys did but one thing that I think X-Men did better was the opening theme song and just like the opening credits. It was awesome. That opening was iconic for me and it just really got me into the show. That is uh, super, that's heresy. Well, <laughs> it's I don't a know tough talking about. I'm not saying Batman animated series was bad. I'm just saying the X-Men one was better. I think they were both good on different levels though i think if you if you like your rock and roll 90s kid you loved the x-men opening but if you were like a a nerd kind of like jonathan like a dweeby classical music (laughs) super nerd like the worst of all nerds yeah Yeah. (laughs) then you probably like the batman one more john you being a music teacher which one which one did you like more oh x-men yeah that's the marvel kid too I'm surrounded. <laughs> yeah, this is just becoming a shit on uh, on Jonathan podcast. What the hell? <laughs> I think the the opening animation too, where you see all their names and you see the character do a small display of their powers. Yeah, that is cool. That stuck with me. Yeah, those opening credits are so cool. I mean, the Batman one was fine, but like, yeah, the way that they did it with every, each different character was awesome yes for the longest time i thought that one of wolverine's powers was to shoot electricity from his claws yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, me too i also thought that storm could create clothing from her electricity (laughs) because it made no that was so weird it didn't make any sense yeah, she did that in the in the first episode. I thought that was yeah, weird. like that was dumb as fuck. I just remember like <laughs> just like playing in the playground, like playing X Men. I was like Wolverine, I'd be like I just shocked you with my lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing X Men on the playground, the kid who always wore glasses would always be the one who played Cyclops. I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, and the bigger kid was always Beast. I remember that, yeah. And I always liked to be Morph, so. Wow, you pick like the asshole character. (laughs) I know. You're the evil bastard. But I was like, I could just be all of you, so I'm just going to beat up all of you because I could be you, so that's why I was Morph. All right, speaking of Morph, let's kind of go into the beginning of the X-Men series. Morph was a character that never appeared in the comics, or did, but as appeared as a character called Changeling. But since DC had trademarked the name Changeling, they couldn't use it. So they came up with Morph. Wasn't there also a character called Mimic? Yeah, there was a Mimic. Yeah, that's somebody but else. But Mimic was different, though. He wasn't like Morph. It's yeah. a different character. And Morph was specifically picked to die in the first episode. He hadn't been seen for a long time in the comics by then. I mean, they had to change his name anyway. But apparently he somehow became some somewhat of a cult fan figure. And so they had to bring him back, which I'm not a fan of. It, I, in my mind, if you kill someone off, they stay dead. Yeah, but I remember the episode that they like they brought him back. And, you know, he was like Wolverine's buddy. And the buddy is like just an asshole. Yeah. And like evil when he came back and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it didn't. I didn't like that at all. He was kind of like that in the first episode so yeah yeah he was a dick 
one of the things I did kind of want to mention, even though they didn't come from this animated series, this animated series did for the characters of Gambit and Jubilee what Batman the Animated Series did for Harley Quinn. This came out in 92. Jubilee was only introduced in 1989, and she had very, very few parts in the comics, and Gambit had just been introduced in 1990. So their popularity pretty much has everything to do with this animated series, not with the comics. Do you know why? Because you mentioned earlier that they did the the, the pilot was based off of little Kitty Pride. I am assuming. Do you know why they went with a Jubilee, like kind of like POV character instead of Kitty Pride? Instead of Kitty Pride, uh, Marvel just pushed for it. I think they were just pushing for their new characters, and that's why. Yeah, well, she she was she was very much a, a character of the time period. Um, you look at her, and she you know she's dressed out in all all pinks. She has the the leather jacket. You know she she's very much a child of the late '80s, early '90s. So she more than more than Kitty Pride was definitely. And one of the things I did really like about the X-Men series, at least the first couple seasons, they were designed from beginning to end. The, the whole story arc went over the entire series, or at least for each season. It wasn't designed as individual ones and then somewhat of a story arc. Everyone continued into the next one because they had planned the entire first season from beginning to end. Actually, they planned the whole first season thinking that that was the only shot they were going to get, which is why it kind of ends very nicely at the end of the first season because they assumed they were only going to get one season so they created a whole story arc from beginning to end and that's cool that's definitely something that can't be said about batman batman was much more of like an anthology kind of villain of the episode kind of show yeah and each episode of x-men would always start with previously on x-men yep. yeah and you you know you didn't feel bad as a kid missing an episode or two because the first five minutes of every episode was the last episode they would always recap those lookbacks were also pretty comprehensive so you got a sense of exactly what had happened they also drew a lot lot largely especially in the first couple seasons from the comics the first season drew a lot from the days of future past series drew a lot from the apocalypse series aspects of the story not the overall arcing but they drew aspects of it in to create one season basically they kind of took some of their greatest hits and then morphed them together to create one whole story arc and then they eventually did the phoenix one i think in the third season yes what i really liked about the x-men series rewatching it now it was basically exactly the comics put into cartoon form. Yes. Something that was I, I liked about the Batman show was it Batman anime series was its own thing though. It was awesome. Yes, it had pretty much everything taken from the comics, but it really felt like the X-Men show was like a exact duplication from the comics just put onto motion form. And that's what I really like about it. The art style borrowed heavily from the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont run that started in 1990. I, I think everybody had that version of X-Men 1 um, because mm, it, yeah. it had, you know, Wolverine. And it was actually the exact same cast of characters on that cover that was in this show minus Colossus. But it was it was it was Gambit, Rogue, Beast, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Wolverine. Yeah, it didn't have Jubilee on the cover. But they were attacking Magneto. And the art style on Batman the Animated Series was very Art Deco, 1940s, Max Fleischer. This one was very comic books. It was it was an animated comic book on the screen. And the writers totally understood the, the stories that Chris Claremont had done from the 70s onward and uh, did a fantastic job of adapting them to the screen. It was fun and 
again, action-packed, but it was also they also had mature storylines, especially storylines dealing with bigotry and, and prejudice. Mm-hmm. Speaking about that, though, I think rewatching it now, the artistic style actually ends up hindering X-Men a little bit, where I think it helps the Batman animated series. Yes. Having that deco look really makes it rewatchable, and it makes it stand the test of time with Batman, where having it just be like a product of the time of the 90s with X-Men, it looks so 90s that it doesn't look as cool to me. The look and the art direction of it, of X-Men, isn't nearly as strong as Batman was. Yeah, I remember, you know, I I really liked the X-Men cartoon when I was younger, but just watching it again as an adult, I was like, holy shit, I thought this was good animation? (laughs) No, the animation was really, really slow and poor and like like low frame rate-y. Yeah, it was really bad. Well, they had kind of some issues with some of the animation studios that they worked with. The very first season, they sent out to, I forget the name of the company, but it was a company in Korea who did the animation. It came back with so many mistakes, but the animation company refused to fix them. So the very first time it aired, it had so many animation mistakes that it didn't get fixed until later. They went back and redid them later so they fixed some of the stuff but they had a lot of problems pretty much everything after season two was aired out of sequence from the way it was written there were some episodes that were shown a season or two later from when they were written because they had so many problems kind of with animation showing up late or wrong i believe the second episode showed up the day before it was supposed to air with several problems and that was before they had even had time to add the vocals and music and the special effects so they had to like postpone it for another week and they were kind of ripe with with animation problems and to me the animation style is never been what's i've loved about the series it's been the characters and the story and the writing obviously with with better animation the the series i think would be the best superhero animated series ever well that's that's sort of like the whole clash between dc and marvel in general like dc is you know their things are better made but marvel always has you know you know more attractive (laughs) better characters what are you laughing about adam I'm, I'm just laughing. John, Jonathan has the gall to say that they're better made. <laughs> they're better made. His opinions do not reflect the opinions of yeah. Last Mar Past Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fucking Alan Moore. Alan Moore, and you know, you, you can't, you don't, you don't get better than that. I'm sorry. I mean, they had some great stories, but I wouldn't say. Yeah, never mind. Fuck it. The animation had some issues. There were also some really strong voice actors. Like, I, they weren't as big of names, and they didn't, they don't have like the lasting power that like like the Batman animated series had but like when i think of a lot of those voices like when i see a storm in my head i still kind of hear that storm with that really cheesy you know weird the, the weird cadence that she had and she would always say these weird fucking things like storm mistress of the elements commands you to release that child nature i command you bring forth thunder and lightning I summon the cold of the arctic winds. Hail! Fill the skies with rocks of ice! But, like, I really connected to the voices in that show. I'm going to admit that, like, when I was watching the show and I was younger, I didn't have a full grasp of what a mutant was. So I always thought that, like, Storm was some kind of, like, wizard. Mm. Um, I didn't understand that, you know, like, these mutants were sort of, like, our evolutionary betters. You know, they were homo sapien superior. I thought they were just people who happened to have powers for kind of no reason. I know people didn't like them, but I didn't think it was because of their genetics. Storm does talk like a wizard, that's for sure. (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah, so when she said things like that, I was like, oh, that's just her her thing. She's casting spells. She, I mean, she talks almost like Doctor Strange. She really does. Yeah, she does. Which is just kind of weird. So speaking of the cast, it's kind of a, I don't know, maybe a who's who of people you've never heard of and haven't heard of since. Apparently, the very first time they cast this, uh, they used probably more typical voice actors, probably ones we've heard of. The director hated it, fired all of them, and completely recast it. And so what they did is they went up to the Toronto stage scene and cast a bunch of people from from there. Most of this cast is Shakespearean stage actors. That makes sense for Beast. Beast is totally a Shakespearean stage actor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had a guy named Cedric Smith who did Professor X, Cathal Dodd who did uh, Wolverine, Uh, Norm Spencer did Cyclops, Lenore Zahn did Rogue, who I thought did a very good sort of raspy southern accent. Love the Rogue, Um, yeah. Catherine Disher did Jean Grey. Guy named Chris Potter did Gambit. Allison Court did Jubilee. She's the only one who's probably been in something else animated. She, if you saw the animated Beetlejuice cartoon, she was Lydia, okay. which I was a fan of, so I don't know if either of you guys watched. That might have been before your time. Yeah, I watched No, it. that was great. I used to watch it. I liked it. Uh, Allison Seeley Smith did Storm, and then this guy named George Buza, who did Beast. He also had a small part in the first X-Men movie. He just played a trucker. I can't remember which trucker. He's the guy who said, this is Laughlin City, when he dropped Rogue off at the, at the bar. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's all people that weren't really voice actors to begin with. They all went on to do other things with Marvel and DC and in, in various stages, but they really kind of started with this because they he just went up and, and kind of pilfered the Toronto stage scene in order to get it, which I, you know what, kind of gave some clout to the stories because they were, despite the bright animation, they were trying to tell some serious stories with this. A lot of the stories go into three episodes or the Phoenix Saga has a five, it's a five episode parter and I like that because you can get very invested in the stories more with this show than you can with some others. Yeah, and the dialogue at times could be a little bit cheesy. It could be a little bit 90s as well. Yeah. I think when it came to the point of hammering home the whole themes of prejudice and, and everything, I think it did a great job. Some of it felt very relevant to our times, I thought, with the whole, like, you know, people protesting these people who are different. Just kind of like dissecting some of the writing. You mentioned just some of the dialogue in general. It is, there's some cheesy, they over-explain some stuff. I know it's a kid's show, but, you know, it did have some poor writing that in re-watching it now, it's just like, okay, you know, this this could have been a little bit better, but I get it. At, for for a product of its time, you know, I'll let that slide. Yeah, I mean, it, it appealed to me as a 90s kid. Like when, yes. when Cyclops would say something like, not, I'd, <laughs> I, you know, I'd laugh my ass off and I'd be like, this show, Jonathan, you're cool. Not, you know, <laughs> things like that. I <laughs> loved this series more than the Batman series, but I never truly got into the Batman series the way Adam did. I mean, I love both of them, and I, I own these on DVDs. I don't own the Batman one. But re-watching them, and also even before re-watching them, I definitely recognize and I do feel that the Batman animated series is the better show of the two and it has better staying power, personally. Uh, even though I'm more connected with the Marvel characters, it's just, yeah, I always drew myself closer to the Batman animated show. I would agree with that. I think, especially when you see what happened to the X-Men series down the line, I don't know if you guys watched any episodes from the fourth season or the fifth. No. Those are really hard to watch. The animation is like, 
10 frames per scene and they just cycle between these 10 frames it's all it's it's bizarre it's just not well done and the storylines suck too they, they don't compare to the initial ones as well i don't know if they got different writers yeah. but it's not good it didn't hold up at the end yeah one thing before we end on x-men i really want to add i think this show did a great job of you got a lot of extra like ancillary characters like it introduced a lot of extra people that i may not have known about early on but like mm-hmm. you know you get introduced to juggernaut or archangel or omega flight and morph and all this other stuff this show probably more than the batman show got me more hyped into wanting to read comics because it pulled in a lot of different characters bishop and cable and nightcrawler all like colossus all came in at different parts to do parts of different stories that made me want to read more comics than say the batman did because there were so many different characters that came in for these different storylines and they were just cool characters and they just kept pulling in these new cool mutants that i think actually this one for sure made me a bigger comic fan than the batman show did i think it's definitely easy to like sort of do world building when you have like a teen book batman has always i mean there is definitely there's the bat family but batman has always kind of been a lone kind of character you know i think he prefers to to work alone but when you have a team book and you could introduce you know have all these other characters interacting with with other characters yeah you could definitely do some good world building yeah. with that mm-hmm. john i'm uh i'm curious you said you weren't a fan of of the batman animated series but you were a fan of this one what do you think of the character of batman in general i think he's fine <laughs> i mean no, no no i i think he's fine I like I really loved the Tim Burton Batman one and I from that I got into a couple of graphic novels from Batman but beyond that I mean I don't go out of my way to I like him better than Superman. I'll tell you that. I think he's a much more dynamic character than Superman. I was just curious. I ran into a, quite a few people, surprisingly, who were like, oh, Batman, oh, he's just rich. Oh, he's dumb. And I was like, um, what about Tony Stark? Personally, I think that Batman's a real piece of shit. <laughs> I think you're a piece of shit. Well, yeah, the show the show is solid though. The X Men show, I am curious. Yeah, I didn't watch any of those later episodes, but you know the ones that I did watch, I liked. I didn't like them as much as the Batman animated series show, but just the comic nerd in me and the nostalgia factor of how much I love these characters, and I'm X Men is still probably like my group team. If I have to connect with one group team that I'm going to read their storyline, it's going to be X Men first. Mm-hmm. So I just have to say, yeah, this show was enjoyable. I definitely see how dated it is with some of the animation and just some of the writing but in general uh it's a it's a cool ass show yeah i think what it lacks in animation and dialogue and everything like that it makes up for in the cool factor for sure So why don't we go ahead and move on to our X-Men casting, which is going to be unique in that it's it's a recasting of X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, this is going to be cool. We pretty much went with the main ones from the animated series. So Professor X, Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Jubilee, Rogue, Storm, Gambit, and Beast. This is probably, with both of these castings together, this is our biggest casting in one episode uh, ever and probably will ever be. Yeah. I kind of want to work backwards from kind of in the, in the way I just said. So let's start with Beast. And I would actually like to hear y'all's pick first. So for Beast, we wanted someone who, above all, would be able to recite dialogue intelligently. So we wanted a very intelligent-seeming actor. We assumed that the this was going to be like mocap 
kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't think... I mean, Kelsey Grammer looked great in the prosthetics, I think, for the X-Men 3 movie. But I think I'd like to see my Beast a little bit bigger and be able to perform more acrobatic feats and not make it look like he's doing wire work, you know? So I'm assuming mocap for this so he's not necessarily a big guy himself but he is very intelligent or it comes across yeah. that way <laughs> he's in the james bond franchise right now is q his name is ben winshaw and that's who we chose for beast okay we also considered the mocap thing and that's kind of how what influenced our decision we wanted somebody who had a really solid voice because any actor can sound intelligent if they read their lines right mm-hmm. so we actually did a double thing yeah we kind of we copped out a little bit we decided that we wanted a guy named terry notary to do the mocap because he's a fantastic uh stunt guy stunt coordinator and he's probably just as big of a mocap guy as andy circus is he's just not as well known because he's not typically doing a lot of the lines terry notary recently did he was kong in kong skull island so he's good at um kind of beast movements and so he did the motion capture for kong so that's why that's what we went with him for the motion capture side okay yeah he'd be great and he was also kind of the uh coordinator on most of the planet of the apes movies that have come out but for the voice and possibly the face we decided we wanted leah schreiber to be beast Sabretooth. yes <laughs> we know we are recasting someone from the fox side but leah schreiber is the voice of hbo sports he has a fantastic like shakespearean sound he to does. him and just like the way all of his acting you can get that from yeah we, we merged the two we made two two people one at one character <laughs> I think, yeah, Leif Schreiber's voice fits Beast to a T. I think that's a really good choice. Yeah, it's it's an older choice than, than our choice for sure. But yes. I, I mean, especially if, it, if it's mocap, if, if he doesn't have to do the, the work and just provide the voice, he, he would play convincing Dr. Hank McCoy for sure. For our movie, we don't want any fucking Hank McCoy. I don't want to see Beast in human form at all. Like the Nicholas Holt version that they do in X-Men First Class and right? whatnot. Yes. I hate that. Like he is, he should be blue. Right? He should be a blue animal thing all the time. He's not the yeah. fucking Hulk where he <laughs> yes. gets angry and then turns into Beast. Right. He's always Beast. The recent X-Men movies have copped out so much about like, oh, we're going to try and save money and just not, we're not going to have Mystique in her blue makeup very much. Right. And we're not going to have Beast in his blue shit. Like that just pisses me off because like those characters yeah. should be that. The whole thing with like, oh, Professor X can walk again. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, they're all cured of, of whatever, yeah. that, you know, is wrong with them. Uh, they just can't use their powers. So dumb. Yes, it that. was dumb. Yeah. That's why they need to go back to Marvel Studios. Agreed. All right, so let's go on to our Ragin' Cajun Gambit. And Adam, why don't you go ahead and tell them what our pick was for this? So we wanted an actor who I think has a lot of cool factor to him. Gambit has got to be smooth. He's got to be good with the ladies. He's got to particularly be good with Rogue. I want that aspect back, that relationship back in this version. So yeah, we went with an actor who is super cool and he's best known for his character from Sons of Anarchy and that is Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, he was in Pacific Rim, right? Yes. That's a good choice. I think he definitely has the get the suave angle down and he's certainly a physical presence. So I could see that. On our end, we I went with somebody a little bit uh, leaner. When, when I think of Gambit, I think of someone who's a little bit leaner, maybe not so stocky, but it's definitely, he definitely has to, ha- has to have the cool factor. For this particular actor, he definitely has that cool factor. There's a lot in the eyes that are kind of like smoldering, you know, like you could, you could totally see him pulling it off with the ladies. So uh, I went with an actor named Ian Summerhalder. He is in the Vampire Diaries and he was in the show Lost. 
I'm not sure if you guys are aware of him. Never watched Lost, and I certainly didn't watch Vampire Diaries, but he has a look that would work for sure. Yeah, it's it's all in the eyes. He has like this piercing gaze, and Gabbett has these red piercing eyes, so I think he could pull it off well. Okay. I think he could do the accent well, too, because he has a Cajun ancestry. So that was our pick. Oh, all right. So now to our queen of the skies, Storm. So I'm going to go ahead and go with our pick. Someone who's... Uh, I'm not even going to say anything about her because I just think she's awesome. We went with Sonequa Martin-Green. Who plays Sasha in The Walking Dead. She's now on the new Star Trek Discovery series. Oh yeah, she'd be a great choice. I like that choice. I like that one just as much as I like mine. (laughs) (laughs) We went with, I don't know if you guys ever watched Sleepy Hollow, the TV show that was on Fox that just got canceled. No. She She also played Jackie Robinson's wife in the movie 42 chadwick boseman's wife she's like a young carrie washington well carrie washington is young but she's like a younger carrie washington her name is nicole bahari (laughs) she was on my short list oh really okay Mm -hmm. yeah i think she'd be great too but i I like i like both of those options i'd I'd go either way you guys are so much friendlier on this one than we were on the (laughs) time who's winning i don't know everyone wins everyone wins when we discuss this yes so let's go to rogue and i'd like to hear your choice first for rogue okay we went with an actress who we think is kind of a rising star currently at the moment. She was in True Detective. She was in San Andreas. Her name is Alexandra Daddario. We think she has the right kind of... I mean, first of all, she's gorgeous. But we also think she can pull off that like flirty, fun aspect of the character. She has just like these intense eyes. I think she would pair well with, with Emer, uh, Ian Summer... Summerholder. Summerholder. But like, she's definitely like someone like you're like afraid to touch. I don't know if it's it's just her 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 gaze but I, I think she could pull off both like you know the the southern kind of bell kind of beauty uh that is rogue and and then some yeah gentlemen there had to be at least one in each we also went with alexandra daddario yeah yes for rogue yes we did <laughs> no way she's done some action stuff in like baywatch and percy jackson but she she would bring back the sultriness of rogue yes. that we've missed <laughs> Heck yes she would same kind of reason i thought her and and our pick for gambit charlie hunnam would also pair well together and they would have a good dynamic but yeah alexandra daddario was a was a pretty easy choice for for both of us yeah she has the hair too yeah and she would look <laughs> mm-hmm. pretty nice with that white streak i think yep good choice guys good choice she looks good anything yes she does or nothing (laughs) (laughs) someone saw true detective oh i have not but i will now (laughs) oh oh yeah oh dude you need to watch true detective not just for the nakedness but also because of the good story (laughs) (laughs) okay that's just a bonus that's just a bonus that's the cherry on top all right so let's move on to our, our youngest member jubilee and I'll kind of start us off. This, I think, was one of the only ones where Adam and I kind of agreed right off the bat. It wasn't Adam's first choice, but it was on his shortlist. So it was the one we went with. And so for Jubilee, we went with Kamiko Glenn who is on Orange is the New Black. With Jubilee from the series is kind of naive and young and just kind of learning. And Kimiko Glenn, I think, is kind of similar actress in Orange is the New Black with that same style that I think she would bring a lot of those aspects uh, to that character. Oh, I've seen Orange is the New Black. Yeah, she would be fantastic. Yeah, she's she's pretty young too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good choice on that one. Um, we went with an actress by the name of Ellen Wong who uh, has some nerd cred because she uh, was in the Scott Pilgrim movie. Yeah, she was the one with blue hair. Yeah, she's awesome in that. I love. Yeah, Ellen Wong, she's gorgeous, by the way. Yeah, she's, I think she's a great call. Yeah, good good choices all around. Good choices. <laughs> both of, yeah, both, both of them good choices. Dang it, you guys, come on. I love you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to Jean Grey. Adam, why don't you go ahead and give him our pick for this one? We went with somebody who is... 
a much lesser known actress, so we didn't go big for our Jean Grey. We went with someone who really encapsulates the look for our Jean Grey. She actually kind of has a Famke Janssen's look to her, funny enough, but I think she actually would pair really, really well with the person that we cast as Cyclops. Her name is Amanda Rigetti, and she's best known from the show The Mentalist, but if you look her up, she also had a very small bit part as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent from Captain America, First Avenger, but her look is so perfectly Jean Grey to me that I think she she would really work well. She was the actress that was in the fake, uh, when they woke Captain America up, and he, she, she was in that little fake room, hospital room, that they woke him up in. That That's, that's, who, that's who she was. She, okay. She's good. <laughs> she, okay. she has she has like strong features mm-hmm. i think for our pick we went with someone who is a little bit more vulnerable looking we wanted Jean gray to be vulnerable but also have a strength about her and we thought someone that encapsulated both of those aspects pretty well was blake lively uh, okay and also she reminds me so much of the gene gray character from the x-men evolution cartoon in particular yeah and yeah she looks pretty good as a redhead and plus it'll be cool to have blake lively in the x-men universe with her husband <laughs> yeah uh i think that's okay <laughs> i i didn't see i didn't want a vulnerable gene gray i want my gene gray to be a strong powerful presence because she's got to have two men fight over her and yeah. being vulnerable Jean Grey is the most powerful of all of them and so she's only the only time that she becomes vulnerable is when the Phoenix Force takes her over and so having someone like Blake Lively who can show that vulnerability too much already mm. yeah eh, eh, I don't love well, your pick just like you don't love my pick <laughs> Jean Grey she she is one of the most powerful maybe overpowered Marvel characters yeah. so she's often put into situations in which they need to kind of nullify her so you see her getting wiped out of the picture a lot and even in the cartoon you know she's always doing that like that orgasm cry and then fainting you know (laughs) and then I don't know if you guys saw the honest trailers about the X-Men cartoon Uh, no I'll have to check that out he's like oh this is turning me on how much her moaning kind of was it was so pervasive in the show so that's that's where we went with the vulnerable side but I also think that Blake Lively is a great strong actress so she could kick ass too okay all right let's go to her eventual significant other Cyclops and why don't you give us your pick first Cyclops I've always been a strong supporter of his I feel like the character doesn't get his due he's often called bland which I think he is but I also think that there's a deepness to him so we wanted an actor that on the outset was sort of bland but could also portray a, a deeper character and just like you know be con- be a convincing leader yes that's true someone who sort of had that commanding kind of presence someone you would listen to if he, you know he was giving out orders mm-hmm. so we went with army hammer he was the lone ranger he was also the v- winklevoss twins yeah in the social network so yeah we just we just like his look and uh we think he captures all of those personality traits we also went with Army Hammer for Cyclops. Yeah! <laughs> Army Hammer, he looks perfect like the Cyclops from the X-Men cartoon. Like, he just, he has that good look about him for all the reasons you already explained. Yeah, we we think Army Hammer is a good call. He has the hair. He has the hair. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has the hair. The way that I kind of see this, like, I want them to look into the, the cool outfits that, they, you know, like the actual comic outfits. Yes. And Army Hammer could pull off Cyclops's. The Jim Lee suits. Yeah, he could. He Exactly. The Jim Lee suits. Army Hammer could look really good in that blue Cyclops suit. Yes. Instead of the stupid leather fetish costume. Oh, God. No. Yeah, have. exactly. <laughs> he may be a Green Lantern. He may be a Green Lantern. Oh, I can see that, too, though. That's the rumor. I could totally see him as Green Lantern. So we're down to our last two. This one, Adam and I had had a hard time deciding on, and I think at the end we still weren't really convinced 
about our pick. Um, and so we're going to do Wolverine. This is a hard one. I had the biggest list for this one. I just kept naming names and I wasn't happy with any of them. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up going with Tom Hardy as our Wolverine. Yeah. He can he can do kind of the... He's obviously intense. He's not too tall. He's 5'8". Army Hammer is 6'5". So I think the comparison between the two of them would really... Like, I, we, like first off, John and I really wanted like a super short person. Mm-hmm. And like we really wanted to bring the X-Men from the... Or the Wolverine from the comics onto screen. And so I was looking up short actors and none of them really fit. Yeah. And then so Tom Hardy definitely fits the intensity and the gruffness, I think. He could, he could play that. And so knowing that he's not super tall at 5'8", I think would work pretty well, so... That, that's a great choice. I had to convince Joseph not to go with a really short actor, even though he really wanted to, just because I kind of felt like the the names that were coming up for who were actors who were short, I didn't really find them convincing mm-hmm. enough. Tom Hardy would be the exception to that. I do like our choice. But technically, he's already in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, because he's in Venom. Could have sworn I heard that they were not even putting that into the universe. They are. But then uh, did it come back that it is going to be in the universe? Okay. It's loosely in there, yeah. Okay, loosely. Okay. It's a different Earth than 616, let's say that. We weren't going to go short. We want somebody who looked the part. And the character of Wolverine, like if if we're talking in history, there are two actors who could have played him perfectly. One of them is Jack Nicholson, you know, back in the 70s. And the other one is Clint Eastwood. I think I know where you're going with this. Actually, the drawing of Logan, the initial drawing of Logan was heavily inspired by Clint Eastwood. So we went with his son, Scott Eastwood, who is almost a dead ringer for a young Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. So we, we think he'd nail the look down pretty well he's a little bit bland but we think that uh you know so was uh, hugh jackman back when he started so and he's actually expressed interest in the role so we almost thought like this was <laughs> cheating because he has said that he would love to be wolverine and I, it was a name that i brought up to john as well at one point yeah no i think that's a good that's a good choice as well yeah if we could somehow combine scott eastwood <laughs> w- with tom your party you know tom hardy yeah uh, it would be perfect that's the actor <laughs> i want all right our mentor professor x adam was adamant that it not be someone British. <laughs> I didn't want, I mean, I love Patrick Stewart, but I finally wanted like a Professor X who's from like New York, someone from America, because like he grew up, like it was his family's mansion that becomes the school. So uh, I didn't want another another British Professor X. Like I wanted an American. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> those, those, those damn Brits. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, the guy who plays Professor X on the animated system, Cedric Smith, is also British. He was just doing an American really? accent. Yes. Huh. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like a, like a New England kind of accent. Yeah. And that's what it should be. So for us, uh, Professor X also had to kind of have the look, be able to, you know, have that bald look and, and still have a sort of strong presence. So we went with an actor named Calm. Fiore. Oh, I know him. To me, it was his. I, it was his performance in the Chronicles of Riddick that kind of sold me on it as kind of a strong guy. Yeah, he is actually already in the MCU as uh, King Laufey yeah. from Thor, from the Thor. Yeah, movie. but you wouldn't know it was him. He, he was. You would never know. He was chock full of, of prosthetics and makeup. But he's yeah. He's definitely got the look, and I think he's a strong enough actor that he could pull it off. He would be fantastic, honestly. I think he really has the look. So good choice there. I, I, I'm surprised. I, I regret that I didn't think of that. But uh, we went with someone that was British. So 
I'm sorry, Adam, but we believe <laughs> okay. we believe people of all nationalities can play this uh. role. <laughs> we went with Ray Fiennes. Amazing actor. So yeah, we, we thought of him for reasons that probably don't need to be said. He's he's he has amazing uh presence. He reminds me kind of like a young Patrick Stewart, trained classical actor delivery and everything. And I mean it's not a wildly exciting choice because it doesn't differ all that greatly from what's already been, but I thought he'd do well nevertheless. I do like your pick more, I'd have to say. You don't admit that. What are you doing? <laughs> Some good picks all around. We thought a lot more on this along the same lines for this one than I think we did with Birds of Prey. Good choices, I think, mostly overall. Yeah, I mean, we ended up with uh, two two of the same castings. Uh, you yeah. know, our Cyclops and our um, Rogue. Rogue, Rogue were both the same, so that's pretty cool. It just really makes me want to see this movie now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish Fox would just give up control and, and stop making the shitty X-Men movies that they're doing now and give it back to the hands where it belongs. I wouldn't call them shitty. I, I still enjoyed them. Did you see Age of Apocalypse? It was shitty. It was bland. It wasn't shit. I mean, I also saw First Class and Days of Future Past. I didn't hate those. Yeah. And honestly, I liked Deadpool. And I'm really curious about New Mutants after mm-hmm. seeing that yeah, trailer. Agreed. I'll be honest. I wasn't all that excited. It just looks like a horror movie to me and I have no interest in it. This is a different take though, but that's kind of fun. You know, do you have to have the exact same style every time? I think it'll keep the genre alive. Uh, We'll be talking about this in our next episode of our podcast, (laughs) but I do think that to give you a little tease, I was not happy with with the trailer. Um, oh really you you heard it here first actually your podcast is going to come out first so never mind. oh that's right <laughs> never mind i i think i think it was it looks too much like a generic horror movie when i heard that they were going to go down the route of the horror genre that it was going to be a little bit more unique he just looks like he's trying to copy all of these generic horror films that have come out before i agree well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. It was a pleasure shitting on Jonathan in DC the entire time. <laughs> Yay! Uh, so uh, we we really appreciate yeah. you guys spending the time with us. Yeah, you know, thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I really like the casting segment and sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Please join us next time where we review the Arnold Schwarzenegger Bridget Nielsen 1985 classic Red Sonja, also recast Red Sonja, and go over the 90s show Walker, Texas Ranger. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blastpastcast. That's at Blast Past Cast on both Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.